0: Systematic. Systematic, recorded in Humble Park, Chicago. Systematic Podcast, hosted by Twin Sisters. It's a Magic Podcast. Alexis and Samantha. Samantha. Just in case your are friends, Systematic Podcast. Hey, welcome back to Systematic Podcast, this show about politics, pop culture, and, and sisterhood. sisterhood per usual it's your girls here i'm sam and i'm alexis and this is season two episode two um we had originally launched uh the first episode of season two in april and it's been a minute yeah it's been a minute we had an episode recorded that we had planned to put out in may and um you know it was just it was around the same time when the unrest uh started yeah it was uh just The same few days around when um, the video footage of George Floyd's murder by the police in Minneapolis was released to the public. So we put our second episode on hold. Uh, Yeah, we thought that it was really important to not take up um, space during that time. And also also, we were also devoting a huge amount of our time to responding to direct calls to action and demonstrations and protests here in chicago right yeah we've been protesting uh pretty consistently for the past two months now um there's been times where I've been on the streets, uh, you know, five, six, seven days in a row. I'm um, just really like trying to do what we can to be supportive uh, and not only protesting, but in other ways, too. Right. Even just educating our family members and people in our lives around the Black Lives Matter movement, educating those around us uh, about what defund the police means and anti-blackness and so on yeah so that being said we wanted to be really intentional about the next episode that we put it out and we're really excited about the interview that we have for this episode yeah we had um the opportunity to sit down with um a really inspirational chicago activist organizer artist uh bella boz so the interview is a little bit long but it's really um i think insightful um but because it's a kind of long, uh, we are going to keep our intro current events a little bit shorter for this episode. Um, that being said. Yeah, we can get right into it. Yeah. Okay, so first off, in regard to national political issues, we are still in the midst of a terrible pandemic that is still ravaging the United States. We've seen over 70,000 new positive coronavirus cases for two days in a row now um so the pandemic is not going away it's not slowing down right even though i mean in chicago numbers are like have been pretty stable or like semi-consistent they have spiked up recently um and public health officials are saying that a large majority of the new cases that we're seeing that are spiking are due to young people um who are contracting the disease likely because they're not effectively social distancing they're going out um to parties or gatherings or whatnot so um young people still need to take this very seriously right um but there's like a lot of other hot spots that are like a lot worse than chicago right now uh that florida are texas, texas yeah very concerning i believe there's like a dozen states so um and there's a political just in unimaginable political disagreements around wearing a mask which should not be a political issue at all um we know that masks help keep people safe so wear a mask right and we know now that um COVID-19 disproportionately affects black and brown communities and they have higher mortality rates. So it's really important for us um, to do all our part and protect ourselves and our communities. Especially because the presidential administration that is failing our country does not give a fuck about any of our lives or safety or health or livelihood. They're actively trying to cut money from the CDC um, so that they have less capacity to do contract tracing um, and covid testing across the country so so it's really up to us and i know that it can be overwhelming but i believe that we can get through this um we just need to work together and stand together as a community okay sam do you want to pivot and talk about local chicago issues now yeah so i wanted to talk about this um demonstration that happened here um downtown on friday it was a black and indigenous solidarity uh rally and march um that escalated when a crowd of protesters um started moving towards a huge christopher columbus statue um and yeah hundreds of police like just came and like swarmed the protesters and just really like agitated them in really like aggressive and violent ways the there was some protesters that were attempting to topple or take down the Christopher Columbus statue and yeah the police responded with brutalization and gross uncalled for violence and there's against young people disabled people um, yeah there's video or there's like yeah videos and images of countless incidents of police uh, attacking and brutalizing unarmed protesters Um, specifically there's one horrific case of uh, police attacking a young 18 year old organizer who was simply filming at the time so we demand justice for miracle boyd we demand that the state's attorney kim fox drops all charges made against protesters and we demand that Lloyd lightfoot removes the statue of columbus and defunds the chicago police department this is unnecessary and disgusting um that the police and our city resources are used to protect property over lives over young lives people that were listening to police scanners said that they called every um tactical gang unit in the city to respond downtown they're literally diverting resources that are supposedly supposed to go towards combating violent crime in the city and devoting those resources towards protecting a inherently racist uh, statue and monument. So this is where the city, the mayor, the police chief's values lie. And we're gonna continue to hold them accountable for the violence that they continue to inflict on the citizens of the city. So we're gonna get into our interview now where we're gonna talk a little bit more about defunding the police and what that means. Um, But if you have any questions for us about this and want to engage us in dialogue feel free to hit us up in dms or email and um if you know anyone else that maybe wants to know more about defunding the police and why it's so important um send them this episode share Share this episode with them and continue the conversation with those around you and just by the way this following intro music was created by our very talented guests
1: Granny was an entrepreneur when she moved to the shy, she was dirt poor plus she had kids to provide for she would die for a black woman in america that's a mule woman made something out of nothing though made millions off flipping work feds watching flip the birds speaking code. if they catch you keep the cold keep your soul mama didn't fold dear time never
2: told my mama was an OG.
1: She bought
2: sports. Welcome to Systematic Podcast. We have Bella Boz here, the amazing inspirational Bella Boz. Thank you so much for joining us. Chicago's very own. <laughs> yes, homegrown. It,
1: it is an honor. It's a privilege to, to talk to y'all this morning. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's not every <laughs> Wednesday morning I get up and talk to beautiful
2: twins. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Um, so yeah, we just want to start by giving like a little intro for anyone who's listening um, about you. You um, are an artist, a visionary, a uh, raptivist, right? Is that a term that like you coined, or I
1: actually did not coin a term. I borrowed the term from nice. uh, Sister Solja who is one of my uh, go-to's as far as inspiration, as far as. Um, what am I doing you know like uh what is this lane that I'm in and to acknowledge that it's and it's nothing that I've created or paved but I'm continuing the work of people like Sister Soldier who've done this you know generations before me. Love it.
2: Yeah and BUZZ actually stands for Black Ancestors Here Healing Society right?
1: Yes yes (laughs) very dope. So um, I don't know that it always stood for that. (laughs) Um, So at first, I just said Bella Bars because uh, that's how I say Bars, like that's how I say Bars, I guess, Mm, Um, mm. you know, this very Chicago by way of Mississippi accent that I have. (laughs) Um, So thinking about like just how I talk and I say it like Bars instead of Bars, but then um. And then it revealed itself to mean something different to me uh, mm-hmm. around 2014, 15, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe around the time my grandmother passed was it like, oh, this actually means something. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, so I, I don't know that the the name just feels like it
2: chose me, even though I I like to think that I chose it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah it's really beautiful it is um and it's really yeah it's interesting because you're talking about like bars like in like verses right like in music right and then like also like the parallel of like your work in like being like a prison abolitionist and things like that and like the connotation of what bars like mean it's really absolutely deep
1: absolutely
2: yeah. so it's like
1: uh, you know bars black ancestors here healing society not bars not prison not police uh but i do have bars if Mrs. want those yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> definitely um yeah so we want
2: to like talk a little bit like about you and your story right um how you got started you're from the west side of chicago right yes yeah was there i think we're really curious like if there was a specific like moment or like has this work like just been something naturally that you've always taken part in you know what um i've always
1: done prison abolition work i just didn't know that i was doing prison abolition work Mm -hmm. i didn't know that it was work like to me it was just living right because since the time i was very young since the time i was in the womb actually um Mm -hmm. my life has been impacted by prisons by Mm -hmm. uh, the prison industrial complex so my mother found out that she was pregnant with me while she was standing in front of a federal judge who was about to uh, who was threatening to sentence her with life in prison Mm -hmm. so um that (laughs) That to me, was like my first protest <laughs> um mm-hmm. in the womb like she didn't she didn't know that she was pregnant with me until like I made her feel sick um, I just had to do something I guess to make her acknowledge that it was both of us standing in front of the judge and not just her mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I feel like I've been. I've been doing this work. Like I've been called to do this work and, and that's yes. why I'm here. Um, so yeah, my mother was sent to prison for like the first seven, eight years of my life. And my father was about the same time, eight, eight, seven, eight years, eight, nine years mm-hmm. of my, my life. So growing up, um, just knowing that, um, that, Whatever type of world you could be born into and your parents could not be there, your parents could be taken from you, something could, could happen to keep them away from you that long. I just knew that that was a world that I wanted to change. <laughs> um, so at first, I believed, I was told that my parents were in school and that's why I could not see them all the time, and we mm-hmm. had to go on these long trips. My mother was in federal prison, so she was sent to, like all over the country. Um, mm-hmm. And there was really no regard for if we could be able to go see her. We being, I have two brothers, so her
2: other children, my family, mm-hmm. like,
1: you know, there was a complete disregard for what our communication, what our contact with our mother would be. Um, but my family wanted to, I guess protect us from the shame associated with a parent being in prison. So they told Mm -hmm. us that our mother and my father was in school. And so I remember being very young, like, I don't want to go to school. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's right. That school can keep you from your family like that. So I knew I wanted to change some things instantly. I just didn't know exactly what it was that I I really had a problem with because I was told it was something different. But, you know, so that that shaped me very early on. My parents were still very much so parents to me while they were gone. And me and my Mm -hmm. father, me and my mother wrote often. Um, So I think that's also why I'm a writer, because it was Mm -hmm. important to me to uh, be able to impress them with my writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I thought that they were in school, so I wanted to be very smart and impress mm-hmm. them and you know, write them stories and songs and poems that they could show mm-hmm. to their friends and talk about how smart their daughter is. <laughs> you know, so uh, I think a lot of things, uh, looking back on it, shaped me, uh, molded me to become who I am today. Um, but yeah. what really got me out into the streets uh was honestly depression um my grandmother who raised me because my parents were in prison uh, my grandmother passed in 2015 and i was so depressed and i really just couldn't couldn't see a purpose (laughs) in life honestly um and i was struggling to to realign with who, who I thought I was or who I believed I was here to be, um, Mm -hmm. who she had raised me to be. And then I was going into my first, uh, holiday season without her and, Mm -hmm. um, Thanksgiving was coming up and I was like, I couldn't move. (laughs) I could not move. And, right before Thanksgiving, if y'all remember in 2015, uh, there was the spectacle made out of Laquan McDonald's murder video. Mm-hmm. So announcing it like, oh, we're going to air it on right. Wednesday at five o'clock, and, you know, and it it made me sick to my stomach. And it reminded me of all these conversations I had had with my grandmother who taught me at a very early age about racism in this country and about her mm-hmm. experiences growing up in Mississippi and the Jim Crow South and as a sharecropper's daughter, as a sharecropper mm-hmm. herself, and seeing people lynched, seeing uh, men, black men, black women, dismembered. Um, so I thought about yeah. all of that. I thought about all our conversations and it finally gave me, uh, it finally gave me the strength to move. And I got out in mm-hmm. the streets and I went to protest. And, um, that night a video of me protesting went viral. Um, uh, me performing a rally in the crowd at, at, at the protest mm-hmm. directly after Laquan McDonald's murder video was released. That went viral. Um, and, and I was kind of thrust into this spotlight, but at the same time, I was still very depressed. Um, but what I had discovered in that moment was that anger felt a lot better than depression.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: with anger, I can get out and I can do stuff and I can be powerful and, yeah. and I can be mad and I can move, you know, and I could I could move, <laughs> I could breathe, you know, mm-hmm. I can, and, and depression, I, I couldn't do anything with. You know, so it was like, oh, well, I'd much rather be angry, you know, Um, and then it was just uh, so much to be angry about. It was like nonstop police brutality, like nonstop injustice. So um, I just was everywhere. I just was everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that that was really like me coming out of depression and, and finding anger as a as a tool to help me
2: out of that. That, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really powerful story also. Yeah, it is. Um, or, yeah, really sorry to hear about um, the grandma's passing. She sounds like, um, yeah, she imparted a lot of wisdom and you seem like you just have great energy. And I'm sure a lot of that is um, attributed to her.
1: Mm-hmm. um so much of it is her so much of it like again i felt like i couldn't move and then, then i think she was just like girl <laughs> girl let me move mm-hmm. through you then you know um yes. and my my grandmother was also very active in the civil rights movement and and mm-hmm. taught me to to really stand up for my people so um i know that it's her you know i know that it's yeah. her i know that that's why i, I bars that came to me like it did and and she was telling me something like she's here you know she's here she's not just here to help heal me through this but to mm-hmm. to heal worlds through this because it's so many people feeling a hurt like I was feeling um yeah. you know so many people who who need some way out of that you know um
2: yeah yeah no I, I think what you said too about um choosing anger kind of as a tool like really resonates too I know that I've gone through um like traumatic things in the past and have felt similarly like I just kind of refuse to be Mm -hmm. paralyzed by like the depression and yeah Yeah.
1: okay okay I feel like that's something that needs to be uh that needs to be taught or uplifted for Mm -hmm. you know like like use anger you know, yeah. like, I think people try to make us feel like anger is a, a negative emotion or, mm-hmm. you know, you should, you should not be angry. You should find something else. Like, no, anger is a great tool because once I feel anger, then I can pull myself up from anger, so to frustrated, so to irritated, you know, to better yeah. feeling things that, that allow me to do a lot more than than depression. Like, you really can't do much with depression.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and Especially as like, as Black women and as women
1: of color, mm-hmm. like, we're especially um, meant to feel like anger is, like, unacceptable for everyone. Exactly. So I'm really, yes. Like, I'm so happy you said that. Come on, systematic. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Yeah, there's so many negative connotations associated with our anger, and mm-hmm. I just, I just thank God that we are angry, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I thank God that we are angry, because one, we ought to be, and two, I know we can move
2: mountains with that anger. Yeah, definitely. That's really powerful. I mean, yeah, absolutely. in Chicago, where there's um, so many women that are leaders of this movement, and leaders in change in so many systems in Chicago. Um, yeah, it's uh, they, they see Chicago as a case study as to why they don't want us to... Um, really grab
1: onto all of these tools, mm-hmm. okay. You heard uh, you heard what J. Cole had to say about no naming, Name. right? I'm specifically referring to him talking about her tone and, oh, yeah. and dismissing what she has to say because of her tone, and then yeah. he called her mad in the song
2: at least three times, um, right? You know, but
1: but thinking about that because when we talk about systemic things, like we're not just talking about white people versus black people Mm -hmm. or you know, white people versus black and brown people. Um, what we are talking about is like anti-blackness that is in every community. Yes,
2: definitely. Yeah.
1: Um, and and so that angry black woman trope, like, doesn't just affect us in in the eyes of white people, but Mm -hmm. in the eyes of our own people. Right. So where it's like, like men should be honored to be led by us, you know, yeah. should be should feel so protected, should feel so mm-hmm. um, loved by our leadership and mm-hmm. to dismiss it as an you know, angry black woman. You know, um, oh, yeah. it, it, it just says a lot about where we are, you know, taking mm-hmm. note of where we are and the distance between where we are and where we are striving to be. Yeah, um, and and so much work that has to happen in between for us to get there and and pull, you know, pull as many of us
2: along mm-hmm. uh, along the journey. Yes, definitely a lot more work to be done for sure. I feel like in a lot of ways, this like year in general has been like a reckoning and like forcing us to see all of these things, like. Uh, of course, like a, reck- a reckoning with police and systems of institutional racism, but like through bringing up with J. Cole like, and even with like black and brown community tensions that we've seen in Chicago. And, you know, we would like to th- I think that all of these things are unified and that we're all on the same page, mm-hmm. but um, all of these, this current moment is forcing us to like see where the work is <laughs> in all of these you know,
1: areas. And we have to see where where all the holes are that mm-hmm. that is flooding the boat right uh because we'll try to plug one over here and and think we're doing a good job and but we've completely neglected these holes over here mm-hmm. um and and so we still end up drenched <laughs> um, yes yeah. but yeah it's like we have to do all of the work simultaneously and i think that that feels very overwhelming for a mm-hmm. lot of us um because uh it seems like it would be easier for us to, to pick a fight, <laughs> um, and, but we have to know that all of it is the exact same fight. So uh, totally. what we are doing in the streets against police brutality is the exact same fight um, mm-hmm. about black and brown people being disproportionately um, killed by the coronavirus. Um, right, like it's all it's all the same fight. It's all literally the exact same thing. So, Definitely. black women's liberation is the exact same conversation as black men's liberation. Um, you mm-hmm. know, like they have to happen. They have to happen simultaneously, or unless we become, we are fighting to become oppressors, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what we have to look at history and look at America um, and really reckon with. What this country has done wrong um, in its own pursuit of quote unquote liberty <laughs> um, yes. so liberty for whom, and you know if we are fighting for freedom, if we are fighting for liberty how how dare we how dare we choose to oppress another people
2: um, mm-hmm.
1: after we' we've, we've seen <laughs> the the impacts and the implications of that, you know so I think I think it's 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 a great time for us to really assess everything that's going on, so we mm-hmm. do not end up becoming um uh, oppressive of our our, of our own community who is um queer or trans or disabled or mm-hmm. elderly or children you know like these yes. groups who who get marginalized when we, when we talk about blackness, but it's like blackness is. Mm-hmm. Is all of us, you know? Um, if, I, if if blackness is the opposite of whiteness, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. then it is literally all of us who have been oppressed, all of us who have uh, not received the 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 benefits of the American dream, of the American Declaration of Independence. Right, all of us who were left out of that, um, and and we have to be so diligent in bringing those at the margins to the center so that we do not become someone else's slave masters so that we yes. do not become someone else's oppressive uh, founding fathers right mm-hmm. um, yeah. so i think we have a lot of history to learn from and we we just we just have to do what we're doing like we have to be comfortable with the discomfort of mm-hmm. of really facing um, the truth about America and really ripping this veil of um, of American freedom or the romanticization of what America represents. Right? right, really, really ripping that veil off and facing the truth of what this country has done right and what this country has done wrong um so that we do not make the same mistakes and we do not and and i really don't even want to say mistakes because they they weren't mistakes they were very intentional yeah. um, but you know so that we are intentional in in how and how our revolution looks and how our revolution liberates all people because we're going to need so I many we're going up against the you know one of the baddest governments in the land <laughs> you mm-hmm. know um, so I was going to take all of us to to do that work and to identify you know where where what hole are we plugging up you know so everybody can't be all over the boat plugging up holes right. but you know if you plug that one and I plug this one and you plug that one then you know mm-hmm. we can stop we can stop the flood you know? definitely yeah, yeah
2: well, what you're saying reasoning took me in a lot of ways and how I feel about um the brown communities, I guess, like especially I'll speak to our community, Puerto Rican communities, um, path towards like mentally liberating ourselves. And I feel like um, that's something that a lot of people in our community don't understand because I think there's a, whether it's conscious or subconscious, there's a feeling that there's, people are afraid to get into these like complicated issues and like, especially around like black liberation and um, Black Lives Matter, police abolition movement, people, brown people, there can be a tendency to feel like, why should our community get involved? Like, we're disenfranchised in these ways, like, you know, I, and I think that there is a disconnect in them realizing that we're all like being subjugated and oppressed by the same system. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, i unfortunate unfortunate that a lot of people in our communities don't see this as like our fight. Um, as well. Um, Well, yeah, I think that it's, like, it's the the colonization, white supremacy, like, anti-blackness that has just been, like, so ingrained in, in our cultures, like, since we were colonized. So it's, like, deep, like, roots and, like, just, like, deep, like, shit that we're trying to break, right? Like, generational, like, shit that we're trying to, like, now, Address within our cultures, and it's really difficult. Yeah, it's especially sad because the Puerto Rican community in Chicago, especially, has our own history of like rioting and uprising against the police. Like, a lot of people don't know, but if you Google like Puerto Rico, like Humboldt Park police riots, I think this was in the 60s, mm-hmm. um, that we were doing the very same thing, like t- trying to uprise against the very same um, system of policing. Um, mm-hmm. But today, there's a lot of um, Puerto it's- Rican leaders that are aligned with the police and are afraid for whatever reason which doesn't Mm -hmm. really make sense to um, Mm -hmm. mobilize um, when we have this opportunity to really try and create change for all of our communities so Mm -hmm.
1: yeah well you know america america has been very good at um Mm counter-revolution so since the very since the american revolutionary war uh america has been very intentional about how they suppress revolutions that would, would rise to, to overthrow the government that they, um, stolen, (laughs) uh, you know, that they, they fought for. So to think about, um, to think about why there's so much, um, fragmented, uh so many fragmented movements and not one cohesive movement to just right. rise up against the oppressor. It's because America has done a great job <laughs> at, um, at being mm-hmm. counter-revolutionary. Um, and so I think about, I think about Puerto Rico often, honestly, mm-hmm. and and just the fact that, you know, we, it's a colony right now mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. In, in 2020, you know, and, and And I know that the state of black people in America is that we are colonized right because mm-hmm. after um, after the the Civil War in eighteen sixty five when they they decided that you know the Thirteenth Amendment of black people would be freed in this country, slavery mm-hmm. would be abolished except as a punishment for crime um we had no seat at the table you know even though we had went to war we had lost people we had escaped bondage to fight for this war and to fight for our freedom we had no no seat at the table when freedom was mm-hmm. won it was still never about us you know um it was always about uh white uh, northern colonists and white southern colon uh, colonizers so colonizers who were from the north and were considered more liberal and then colonizers from the south considered more conservative, um, but but slave holding folks. Um, so when they, when they fought that war, they came up with a treaty and that treaty was the 13th amendment. Right. Mm. Um, but it was not, it it was, it had nothing to do with us. So we didn't, you know, we would have never said that, (laughs) you know, that you can, enslave us again as punishment right. for a crime so that just says that we we've always been colonized like we never won freedom we, yeah. we won we won like we won nothing we
2: mm-hmm. won
1: nothing um they yeah. they you know the, the north one and that really didn't didn't mean anything for us because it's, it's like they won the right to enslave us how they saw fit to enslave mm-hmm. us you know, um, and so when I think about that, and I think about the fact that we have a whole island of of Black people, and I, I I struggle with the term brown because I feel like it creates a it it's another sort like like white people are proud to say that they're white, you know, <laughs> like like they they don't you know like they'll they'll say like yeah I'm Polish I'm this but they're they they white and they 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 claim that you know. And and I feel like even the, the the term brown was created to 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 create a, a, a wedge between us, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 to to um to further anti blackness to to give right. you a, a a leg up to say, well, you know, you're not black, you're brown, so you yeah, kind of in between white and black, you know, like you're a little closer to white, you know, right. Um, so so I, I think about that often, and I think about like. You know, what if we, what if we had internalized that we are black? Puerto Rico is is a black colony. You know, Mm -hmm. we need to fight for the liberation of Puerto Rico. Maybe that's where we want to go. You know, and we want to start a new government. You know, like what, what, what might that fight have looked like
2: differently if we had saw each other as the same? Sure, definitely. And I think like so, like thinking about all of our our pasts to and like moving forward to this current moment um, specifically you know talking about the the uprisings um, as a result of the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, um, thinking about how um, all of that all of our histories like come into play. Um, it's really interesting. I think that there is like a shift, like, a large, like, cultural, like, shift, like, people are, like, becoming awakened to our past and, like, realizing, like, oh, yeah, this shit is, like, this is still like happening and like nothing people has are like, changed. Oh, the police in America started because of police, like uh, slave patrol. Like yeah, people, people are, like, are just like what? Like yeah, I feel <laughs> like there's like this huge mental like shift that people are becoming a lot more like aware and engaged in in these histories and in this current moment. And it's yeah, it's really put, um, of course, Black Lives Matter movement in the spotlight. It put the conversation around defunding the police and police abolition, like, in the forefront Mm -hmm. of American political discourse, um, which I'm sure you probably uh, feel some type of way about. I, like, the first, after once it started and I started hearing, like, Major outlets talking about defunding the police, it was, like, really amazing to me to see, like, liberal, like, America and whatnot, um, and conservative America as well, Uh, even entertaining this as if this is something that, like, can happen. And... Mm -hmm. potential path
1: forward. When I started, um, when I started talking about abolition in Mm -hmm. 2015, um, I had no idea that it was possible. (laughs) Um, It seemed, or that it was possible in my lifetime. I've always felt like it was possible, but I just didn't see um, that a lot of leeway would be made in my lifetime because of mm-hmm. America's counter revolutionary tactics, right? Um, so t- to see right now, and this is like, um, you know, five, six years, let's say 2014, that's when, um, Mar- okay, so let's say like the American, uh, revolution or the the american revolution was won seven years after the declaration of independence was issued mm-hmm. so i think about like okay we said this almost seven years ago mm-hmm. and and now it's becoming like a thing you know like it's like yeah. be- you know like it's It's tangible, you know, Mm -hmm. it's tangible, like, okay, defund the police. We can take millions of dollars from the police. That's a tangible
2: step towards abolition, you know. Definitely. Can we talk about that? Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, like kind of like. I know it's like a complicated, like like a lot of these are complicated terms, but um, yeah, like in a simple way, like what is this like concept? What is this like campaign mean uh, to you? Absolutely. So
1: defund the police, defund CPD specifically,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is is saying that the Chicago Police Department has historically and perpetually failed to keep black people, to keep poor people safe in this city. Mm-hmm so the chicago police department which operates on a budget of more than four million dollars a day a day has historically and perpetually failed us we need to take away their allowance definitely they have not done their chores <laughs> they do not deserve this this funding so right. in they, like we've seen, we've seen it fail, right? It's not like we're playing with a new idea here, or a new system.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You've failed, you've failed, you've failed, you've failed, you know? And so what we want to do is reallocate, reapportion the the budget that CPD has to invest in things that actually will keep Black and poor people safe. So. Things like housing, decent housing for everyone, that will solve yeah. a lot of violence in this city. You know, if we could, if, if a Black family, I think Damon said this and, and it really stuck with me, if a Black family could, could know that for the next three generations, they would have permanent housing, how would that change? Uh, how would that change everything, you know? Mm-hmm. If, if we, if we could say, if I knew that my children, my children's children and their children would have housing in this country, like that changes a lot. Like you do not have to, um, you know, it just takes a lot of pressure off of you right. about, yeah. you know, for providing housing for your family. Like, and these are things that we could do with that type of money. Right. Um
2: it's it's funny that you say that and I sorry if I'm um interrupting your train of thought, but I was actually ahead. in a community housing meeting yesterday. Um Beautiful. where uh and it's it's it was essentially I can't like say who was in it, but a lot of like brown leaders in housing in Chicago. And the agenda was largely around like how do we like do more within this like movement, like they saying the same thing. They realize that like There's a call to action to defund the police and like we can do a lot with that money to provide for housing, housing for for our communities to make people safer. uh, And there was someone specifically from, was recently working the mayor's administration and they were saying that within the administration, everyone knows that the CPD budget is a joke. Like they know that it could easily be cut by a third um, and (laughs) nothing would like everything would be fine um, mm-hmm. in terms of like the CPE what they want, but uh, so so they know this. The mayor is still dead set against creating any change or cutting the budget, which is infuriating. Yeah. Well, she um, is the police, and, so. Uh, but I just wanted to throw that out there. It's um, right, that, yeah. These uh, intersections between, um, especially housing, how housing can be really key when you're mm-hmm. talking about to like, funding the police and reallocating. Yeah, what uh, are so. Things? housing very important like what are some other like programs or um services that like we would like to see that money allocated to
1: absolutely absolutely so just even in and talking about housing a little more like to think about Mm -hmm. how many black people are housed in prisons and jails Mm -hmm. in this nation um and that is not housing right Mm -hmm. so so really thinking about uh, land justice you know so all the land that these penitentiaries these prisons sit on what could mm-hmm. we you know how could we reimagine that specifically in chicago we have the largest jail in the nation you know could county jail stretches over 11 blocks you know so to think about <laughs> it's fucked up to think about what we could do with that land to think about who we could house, how we could uh how we could really provide for our communities you know i just think about just all the potential that could county could be if you think about mm-hmm. the funding that goes into it the, the right. jail i'm talking about the funding that goes into it the the <laughs> salaries of the the people who work there the country all of that um, yeah like what we could what we could do with that space is really mm-hmm. uh, could be very revolutionary and radical yeah. um, it's also so,
2: like the largest um like mental health care provider like in the state as well and which is and, like,
1: and and, and that's out. a joke that's a mm-hmm. joke because you you do not treat mental health in in a jail. you do not mm-hmm. you know uh, yeah. regardless of what you call yourself what you say whatever pills you give people because that's the extent of mental health because you're mm-hmm. be in jail is that you are uh putting people on drugs right mm-hmm. um so so to think about if it was the largest mental health facility
2: mm-hmm. truly like a if mental it health actually facility, you know,
1: truly, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like that would be astounding that would be astounding because we absolutely need that
2: um,
1: mm-hmm. so so to think about that like yes we need mental health resources we need Rehab and recovery centers. Uh, we need art programming. We need job opportunities for, mm-hmm. for for young people, for old people. We need jobs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know.
2: Definitely. Um, we need food. Yes. Yeah. You
1: know, we need food, and just to think about to think about that, like that, we would rather spend money policing people than feeding people.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: have people. We have people starving. We? we have people homeless and starving. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's just an, an, an atrocity, and you can really see a, a city's morals and values and ethics mm-hmm. by looking at their budget. So right. If you spend that much money on policing, um, and you spend comparatively no money on homelessness
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: on, on eradicating homelessness in this city, then what you are telling me is that you believe that homeless people deserve to be imprisoned. Um, right, we, do, we believe that poor people deserve to be in prison. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: mentally and, uh, disabled, mentally ill people, yeah, same. You know, to be in prison, mm-hmm. you know.
1: And and so, what I appreciate about what's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement right now is that these intersections are being examined and uh, and, and are being analyzed in ways um, that I haven't seen. And you know, mm-hmm. I haven't seen be- before now. Like the 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 attention that people are paying to to say, well, let's talk about the disabled community and how more likely disabled Black people are to to be killed than right. than than able-bodied people, or how more likely uh, people who are suffering mental health crises mm-hmm. are to be killed by police, or you know how less likely a black woman killed by police is uh, able to garner the same type of media attention as a black man, mm-hmm. and and to to for us to really dig into these um, these intersections with, where Brooklyn did as far as bringing out tens of thousands of people to to protest and stand in solidarity with black trans people who have been murdered was. Was really beautiful to me and, and warmed my heart in ways that that I didn't know that it needed. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, so to see like even something that just happened recently was um, the Washington Redskins have mm-hmm. determined to to change their name after yep. years and years and years of refusing to do so and. To to know that this is because of the Black Lives Matter movement. So to see that Black and Indigenous solidarity mm-hmm. um, is is beautiful and and yes. and in so many ways and and so important and so radical because mm-hmm. um, you know there will be no Indigenous justice if Black people don't don't take on that fight. You know, right? Um, be, just be, because of sheer numbers, like mm-hmm you know so and yeah and that's so powerful you know
2: <laughs> definitely well yeah so in preparation for this conversation we just like put a question up on our story um for some of our listeners to ask if they like what questions they had around defunding the police mm-hmm. um and i think that there's a lot of people that like agree um <laughs> that throwing all this money into this obviously like defunct and not working Mm -hmm. system of policing um, isn't, it doesn't keep us safer. Uh, It doesn't keep us safe period and mm-hmm. um, causes so much harm, uh, but there's a lot of people who have questions around like, it's just kind of uh, nebulous, okay, we can take away, say we took away 50% of the budget, like how do we collectively like agree on where, like where this money should go? I mean, yeah, a lot of people think like these certain things will make us safer and other people agree these certain like mm-hmm. um, different social services and things will keep us safer. Um, like, do we have any ideas of what that would look like, what those conversations would look like or like processes?
1: Ideally, mm-hmm. we would have community control, community say, and and where funding goes. And, and again, we've talked about how good America is at counter-revolution. So it's really uh, going to be interesting to see how this fight uh, pans out. But I, I want to say that I don't, I hope that we don't get discouraged from this part of the fight uh, thinking about uh, the the next part we haven't got there. right you know
2: um, yeah but what
1: we what we do know is that we have to do this right now we have to we mm-hmm. have to um, and 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 uh, we can be assured we can we can be we can rest assured knowing that America is still going to be America um, with with everything that's going on like you know in, ending the Ending slavery was a liberal agenda, you know, um, yeah. so uh, mass incarceration was a, a liberal reform, you know. So mm-hmm. we have to know that they are going to still be themselves and, and that they are going to to try to to be um, mm-hmm. to, to remain the oppressors that they are. Right. Mm-hmm. And under under a new system, under a new disguise,
2: under a new mask. Right.
1: Um, so so we have to fight so hard. Like our our revolution has to be so massive, <laughs> you know, that that we are prepared, like that we see three steps ahead of, of mm-hmm. what they'll do. So I understand that, you know, even if they let's say that they say, OK, we're going to take. Um, $10 million from the police, $50 million from the police, and we're going to put this $50 million toward um, child protective services um, and, and say that that is an investment in family they're going to put it into. I, I know that that is the same system as police, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that is the exact, exact same thing, right? So even thinking about education, right? Like, so, okay, we're going to take these millions of dollars and help the, the CPS deficit in, in fund education. I know that funding education in the city of Chicago really means funding white liberal women um, mm-hmm. who are teachers in CPS who represent over 50 percent of, of mm-hmm. teachers in CPS, although white children make up about 10 percent of CPS mm-hmm. students.. Um, mm-hmm. So and so to think about how, you know, like I, I feel like whatever we fund, honestly, and <laughs> in, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in this city in a way that it is set up because things are so oppressive, like it's going to be it's going to be a fight really for control. Um, and I don't know if that's really being articulated in the defund cpd movement like what we are really fighting for is community control yeah so we want community control of the budget we want community control of the systems of the institutions Mm -hmm. um so i don't just want um funding to go into to cps i want cps to be fundamentally changed Mm
2: -hmm. you know
1: um i want the the workforce to to represent the communities that they are teaching that, you know, I want the curriculum to represent the communities that Mm -hmm. are being taught and what type of education those communities need to, um, to be the most revolutionary that they can in, Mm -hmm. in, um, getting everything that they deserve and acquiring resources and acquiring the, the education and the resources that they need. To build right. th- those communities up, so to me, that it's it's funding, but it's fundamental changes that <laughs> yeah. have to happen. Um, so the fight isn't as as simple as 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 I think defund CPD had, or mm-hmm. defund the police has has made it seem like you know, and I think that's why it's so catchy um, for a lot of liberals to say mm-hmm. like, oh well, yeah, we could do that because you have to know that it's about money for them at all times. So people who are not in the police sector are going to say, absolutely defund the police and put money into what we're doing, even though what Mm -hmm. we're doing is also another form of policing and oppression in this country. Um, So I I just think we have to know that, that is going to happen um, and we have to be committed to a a much Mm -hmm. longer fight so that it's uh, more about fundamentally changing systems than it is about um, just shifting funds from from one oppressive system to the
2: next, right? No, I think that that, um, yeah, adds a lot of um, perspective to what the campaign is about. Regardless of what the exact breakdown um, is, it's something that we need to do. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be perfect. We know in Chicago, especially, regardless of what outcome we get, so it's going to be a continuous, gradual process that Mm -hmm. we have to um, be engaged in to um, continue to, to fight for. Better outcomes for all of us right
1: absolutely and one one other thing I want to add is that I think every generation um, is is a little more profound than than the one before because we have mm-hmm. uh, we have the ex- the perspective of the successes and the failures of the generation that came before us
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so my generation is not going to be the generation that that, you know, my generation has sparked something and is 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 building a foundation for something, but my generation is not going to be the ones that build the structure, right? Mm-hmm. So um it's going to be younger generations coming up who are going to learn from our fields, who mm-hmm. are going to um fine-tune the things that we are manifesting now because they're not going to be perfect, right? So we are manifesting things that we want to see that we've never seen before. So once we see them, you know, once these you know, next generations coming up under us, once they see them, then they'll be able to say, Oh, okay, well I like that, but but we should be doing this. You know, mm-hmm. like that that didn't work so well. Let's do this. You know, yeah. and then they'll be able to do that. So a lot of what we're doing right now is also about just making sure that the generations coming up after us have the tools necessary Mm -hmm. to, to do that, that work of fine tuning our desires and pushing us all forward and pulling us all forward because, um, you know, uh, we have to acknowledge our own limitations. Like we do not know what we do not know. Um, what we do know is that we are, we are family members and community members of, um, children who are being born right now or are being raised right now who have the potential, um, the, the potential to, to change the world. Um, and
2: that being said, in I'm sorry. Yeah. That being said, do you have any advice for young people or like young leaders that are maybe on the sidelines? Um, but like want to be more involved in, in organizing or like supporting the the current. Yeah effort. Or even just I mean just young like people that are at home on social media and they see these things happening and mm-hmm. they want to um, Be involved. Yeah, so or be supportive
1: Yes, so what I I really have to say to young people and I'm, I'm thinking about like my nieces and nephews I have like ten nieces and nephews mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about my my eight-year-old. One of my eight-year-old said to me that she had had a dream that she got pulled over by the police and she was in a car with her father and that she got pulled over, that they got pulled over by the police and that the police attacked them. And mind, she's ADFO. The police attacked them and she had to Use her gymnastic skills to mm. help her dad um, beat the police so uh, I think I've thought about that every single day when she said it um, and what i what i what it makes me what it calls me to say to young people is to keep dreaming uh, keep dreaming and you know, I, I know that that was a nightmare for her, you know, to, to, to be in any state of mind where, where that was happening, right, where mm-hmm. someone was attacking her and her father. Um, but the fact that even in her dream as an eight-year-old Black girl, in her dream, she had the skills necessary to, mm-hmm. to protect her father, an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. Had the skills necessary to protect her father mm-hmm. you know um and and to me like you know it, it broke my heart that that she had this dream but it also filled me you know it fueled me to to mm-hmm. keep going because i want her to know that you know life life is not it's not fair you know mm-hmm. it's it's just not the America i cannot tell you that the the American dream like this this society was not built for you to to survive let alone to live and to thrive and uh to to be your best most empowered self it wasn't designed for that it wasn't designed for that um but you 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 create the dreamscape right you create the new worlds you design the new world so in the world that you designed uh you knew that there would still be hardships for you and your father. You knew that, but you, you, even in your, your young adolescent dreaming, terrified mind, you know, you, you had the tools, you had skills, you had, you know, like gym gymnastics, you know, and that's something you want to do. That's something you love to do. And you used what you love to do to save yourself and to save your father. And I need you to cling to that part of the dream Mm -hmm. that, you know, that if you keep doing what you love to do, it can save you. It can save lives, you know? Yeah. That's a, Um, yeah,
2: no, that's a beautiful concept. And I agree that, yeah, like young people, just like even just using their creativity and their imagination to like continue like imagining what this new world can look like is a big part of it um aspe- that like older generations can't do like that's like a, a huge part that they like have such a hard time like thinking that the world could be like different exactly the exactly different putting people in yeah it'd be like cages. you're gonna take away right. the police or take away like what are you talking about like right and happen. then and, and then what do we do with
1: the with the criminals right. and like you, know, you cannot even imagine a world in which crime is not mm-hmm. you know um Crime is not a common thing where you have to even think about that. So, yeah, I think young people have the potential to, uh, you know, just hold on to their, their creative force and know that it is a force, like that we are creators. We were, we were created to joyously create. Like we came in this world to create. We came in as creators. We created ourselves from the non-physical world. Um, mm. and, and, and we are now in the physical world still creating and we have to, we have to create that, you know, because that's what we're here for. Like everything else is going to, to, to try to put barriers between how you create or what you create or when you mm-hmm. create, but that is your divine purpose, you know, like as a, a as a non-physical, you know, we're, I feel like we're all non-physical beings in physical bodies you know so Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like we while we're in these physical bodies while we're in you know the the united states of america while we're in chicago um we have to use the environment around us to channel our creative energy and to you know focus that energy into creating something tangible for this world right Mm -hmm. because we're we're going to return to the non-physical, but we'll, we'll have left. We'll, you know, we'll have returned, having contributed something to this physical world, um, mm-hmm. that, that will remain, even if it's just an idea, you know, even if it's just like a, a vibration, right. It, it will right. always yeah. be here.
2: Well, that kind of yeah. brings us full circle a bit because we started, um, Talking about your grandma and the influence that she had on you, and um, yeah, though um, it's we unfortunately don't have her here anymore. She's clearly left so much, as such an impression on the world through you, um, and you're here having an impression on us, mm-hmm. <laughs> and hopefully um, through the people that will listen, to this uh, will continue. Um, the conversation and sharing the energy yes. and information. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for uh, bringing that circle like just into a clear picture for us because mm-hmm. absolutely, and, and I think that that's the point of it all, right? Like, you no, know, I'm not going to be here forever, and that's okay <laughs> because I do not have to be here forever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to be here long enough to to inspire and influence um the vibrations uh, and, and the frequency that that uh is permeating throughout the world right now so that other people can uh attach to it cling to it mm-hmm. and 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 bring in more people to that frequency and raise the whole frequency and vibration of of the universe you know
2: yeah and yeah in bringing those people in right bringing those people into these frequencies how can people um, follow you follow your work support your works support uh things you're working on
1: <laughs> absolutely thank you so uh you can follow me all social media platforms at bella Boz. so that's b-e-l-l-a b-a-h-h-s uh, i also have some music on all streaming platforms If you search bella Boz. Uh, Mm -hmm. My most extensive catalog of music is on SoundCloud. So like all of my older music, um, I've been making music since about 2014. So all of that music is on there. Um, If folks want to cash out me, they can uh, cash out BAHHS, B-A-H-H-S. Uh, mm-hmm. venmo is bella Boss. yeah that <laughs> um yeah. but um yeah you can support me also just by um committing to learning you know commit mm-hmm. yourself to learning something uh and and try to learn something different every day you know try mm-hmm. to you know or or get deeper into a, a subject every day or have a conversation that. That um, opens up your mind to you know a, a different perspective that you you might not have had you know so yep. to 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 just commit yourself to revolution um, and to know that it, it is it is a lifelong journey it's not in in action it's not a rally it's not a picket sign you know it's it's really how you show up uh, in the world every day how you treat the people around you um, what what you believe in and. And how you fight for what you believe in so if you believe that if you believe that uh you know the streets and in in your neighborhood are always filthy and that they should be clean like then how do you how do you show up for for that fight for that belief you know if you believe that um black women deserve to be um loved and protected and elevated amplified and positions of leadership and how do you show up for that fight
2: mm-hmm. um, if
1: you believe that all people uh, in in this first world country deserve to be uh living in decent housing how do you show up for that fight you know mm-hmm. um so maybe start mm-hmm. by writing down some things that you you believe in that uh you know that that's all really the declaration of independence was mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so yeah, you know, right, write down some ideas about what you believe in and 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 try to show up for those beliefs.
2: Definitely. Right? Yeah. Um we yeah, we really appreciate all the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um and we personally hope to con- continue supporting like in any way yes. in all the ways that we can. Definitely. Uh, yeah, you said it earlier, but um defunding the police in Chicago is something that we must continue to do and apply pressure um yeah it's happening in other places in the country it needs to happen especially first and foremost in Chicago so yeah thank you so much for your work and for
1: your time for your time and- oh, I appreciate y'all I appreciate y'all so much no this was, was honestly a beautiful conversation and it doesn't feel like this is our first time talking I know it won't be our last time talking but <laughs> it, was, it was great so thank you I was poor, I was
2: bored. I get it.